Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. John chapter 4 verse 5. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? I'm thirsty. Verse 8, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. They weren't with them, and so the Samaritan woman said, but you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For at the time, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you only knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have turned and asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, give me some of that. Give me that water, and I'll never get thirsty again, and I'll never have to come back to this well. The well was three-quarters of a mile away, and the well was over 100 feet deep. It was a, a, a project. I don't ever want to come back here, and I don't ever have to put in that work. Tell me how to do it so that I can do it. Verse 16, he told her, go, call your husband and come back. Verse 17, I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, you're right when you said you had no husband because the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now, you ain't even married to him. What you just said is the truth. Sir, the woman said, why are you calling me out like that? I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. That's what we call a pivot in politics. When you don't like what the person's talking about and you change the topic real quick, forget about the husband. Let's talk about this mountain. Right? Random, right? Why would she even talk about a mountain? Because she didn't like where the conversation was going. We got to be careful. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But anyway. Verse 21. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, someone say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he would explain everything to us. Verse 28, then Jesus declared, yeah, I've heard about him. In fact, I am he. Amen. Uh, Today's message is good. I believe it. I believe God's going to speak to you. It's so good, it's got two titles. Okay? I believe it. And the the first title is A Priority Perspective. A 
And the subtitle, the thing I'm hoping that you leave with, the thing I'm hoping that you and your husband, you and your children, you and your boyfriend, you and yourself begin to whisper to yourself at this following week is what matters most. What matters most. Thank you so much, ma'am, for your time. Hey, I want to talk to you today about the difference between what matters and what matters most. Someone say most. There's a difference between what matters and what matters most. At first, it might seem like simple wordplay. What matters, what matters most. Not a real big difference. But uh, a quick story will illustrate that there is indeed a huge difference between what matters and what matters most. Uh, And I'll you know, tell you a story, a quick example would be my, my father-in-law, Pastor David. He's, a, he's an amazing guy. I love my father-in-law. He is uh, one of the most humble people you will ever meet. He is one of the most hardest, hardest working people you will ever, ever meet. Uh, helped me build my playground. He uh, filled my backyard of mulch and took my dog to Walmart so I wouldn't have to deal with him for a couple hours. And he's a great guy. But if he has one weakness... One weakness, one Achilles, is that he likes nice stuff, which is not bad. It's not bad, except that he likes nice stuff at a bargain price, (laughs) which again is not bad if you're buying clothes. Like, you want nice clothes at a cheap price, right? Thank God for, uh, for Plato's Closet, you know, and for uh, Goodwill and for all those. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've never been broke before, okay? You can find some nice clothes at some bargain prices, and, and that's great. Great if you're buying clothes, but it's a terrible quality if you're buying cars. You cannot have Mercedes taste on a Kia budget. You just can't. Something is going to go wrong. And uh, my father-in-law was a collector of expensive cars. He loved them. Mercedes, BMW X5, BMW 325. I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. These are real cars that he has. Chevy, Z24 convertibles, five different kinds of Mercedes, a Lincoln Town car. And these cars were amazing. They were awesome. They came with the leather interiors. They came with the logos and the albums. They had all the special features you would want and some of the special features you never knew about. Take my sister-in-law Lisa's convertible, for example, that he had gotten her. Lily's. Is it Lily's? Lily's convertible, for example. It's a true story. Awesome car. Had everything you'd ever want in it. It's got the features. It's got the five-speed. It's got the horsepower. It's even got this one special feature you probably never heard of. The rock. Yeah. They're laughing because they know what it is. You're going to laugh at the end when you hear the punchline. You see, what would happen is, it's real cool, real cool special feature. You would take your friends to the mall in this convertible, and, and you'd be trying to impress them because it was cool, you know, luxury car. And then you'd get out, and you'd go shopping, and then you'd have your bags full of shopping merchandise, and you'd get back in your car, and it wouldn't start. Yeah. But that's no problem because it comes loaded with a rock. They legit drove around with a rock in their trunk. Because the only way to get the car to start was to get the rock out the trunk, was to come over to the hood, pop the hood, and bang the starter with the rock. 
And when you bang the starter, then her friends will be like, what's that? They'd be like, it's a special feature. This car helps you burn calories. You get to go far and burn calories at the same time. Yeah, so, so my problem with that whole scenario is, is, is driving a nice car matters. Because you need, because you, you know, it makes you feel good and it's comfortable. But driving a car that works matters most. Yeah, and if, you, and if you make that mistake, you could get into a lot of trouble if you lose the perspective of your priorities. Because you'll be at the restaurant and the waitress will come over to you and be like, what would you like? And you say, I like the chicken. And then he would say or she would say, well, how would you like your chicken cooked? Fried or grilled? Depends. What matters and what matters most is taste what matters most. Well, if taste is what matters most, fried, please. But if what matters most is heart disease, grilled, please. <laughs> Enjoying my food matters. Living old enough to see my grandchildren matters most. Right? You got to get your priorities in order. Listen, and here's what I've learned. Just like my father-in-law could not lay off of a luxury car on a, on a bargain and you cannot lay off of frying anything. This is human nature. This is what I've learned. You will do what matters most, which is great if you set goals in 2017 because that, that's good because goals matter. But it's a problem if your goal, listen to this, only just matters. Here's what I've learned. Goals failed to achieve are dreams that never evolved into priorities. Did you catch that? Write that down. Goals failed to be reached are dreams that never evolved into priorities. It's not enough for it to matter. It's got to matter the most. You take example, my life, for example, I, I'm weird. Some kids wanted to grow up and be president. Some kids wanted to grow up and be baseball players and baseball. I always wanted to grow up and be a preacher. It's just the way I was raised, I guess, in church. Always wanted to do it. It was always my dream. It always mattered to me, but I remember the day it mattered most. I was at a, a, a summer Bible camp. And the problem was I wanted to be a preacher. It mattered to me, but there were a lot of other things that mattered to me. Um, what mattered to me was looking good. What mattered to me, I was 17 at the time, so girls mattered to me. People's opinions, being popular, that mattered to me. And I remember the preacher was preaching, and he was talking about surrendering and giving all to Jesus and giving your life over. And he asked anybody who, would, who wanted to give their life to the ministry to come up and, 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 and get prayed for. And I said, yes, that's me. And so I went there. And in a moment, I felt God's presence on me so strong. I was like, wow. And, and I did two things that were evidence of the shift in my life. The first thing I did was uh, when, I, when I was younger, I used to have this uh, haircut. It was called a blowout. And it was like curly hair that would only stay if you put in like a super hard gel. And they used to sell this gel. I don't know if you remember this. If not, it's like a 90s gel. It's called ice. And uh, it was pretty much liquid plastic is what it was. And... It did the job like it held your hair in position, but you could never touch it because if you touched it, you remember what would happen? It'd go white. It just looked like you had dandruff like everywhere, and so you couldn't touch it. And I, and I, also, I was also in the clothes, and so I remember I had this uh, $40 uh, uh, shirt on, and I had these like $80 jeans on, and then uh, I had uh, uh, some Air Force Ones. 
some uptowns is what we used to call them. And uptowns were great, but the only problem was that you, you, you had to walk flat-footed. And this, I promise this is all going to get spiritual in a second. You had to walk flat-footed because if you didn't walk flat-footed, what happened was they would bend. And what the, what the Air Force Ones were notorious for were creasing right in the front of your shoe. And so everybody would see the crease and it would look just terrible. And I remember the day God's presence fell on me. I, I, I dropped to the floor and I did two things. I creased my sneakers... And, and, and this is the other thing I did. To God be the glory, it looks crazy. And, and I wouldn't suggest you do this. It was a God moment. I took my hand and I felt like God was telling me, like, I love you and you love me. And we're going to get, we, this is what matters the most. And I'm like, because sometimes you get in God's presence, you just do crazy stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, you get emotional. 80% of the time, it's God. 20% of the time, you're crazy. And I was probably just a crazy, I fell into the 20%. At the moment, I just took my hand and I started running all through the ice. <laughs> all through the ice. And it was like a, like a, I've read it in the Bible before. It's called like mourning. Like they would throw ashes on their face. Ice dust just fell all over my face. And, and it was my way of telling God, nothing else matters anymore. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care about the shoes. I don't care about the expensive jeans or if they get ripped up. All I want to do is serve you. I give you my life. And, and in that day, I went from, from, from being a preacher with something that mattered to the thing that mattered most. And I, and I, and I was able to, to achieve my dream. And so let me ask you the question, the question that's an important question and the question only you can answer today. What matters to you? What matters to you? Ask the person you came with to church today, what matters to you? You're not doing it. What matters to you? It wasn't rhetorical. It matters to you. We surveyed 100 families, and this was their top six answers. I'm kidding. We didn't survey 100 families. I just want to do a family feud thing. I don't know if you caught that family feud reference there. We surveyed 100 families. And... But if we had, I bet this would have been their six answers. Okay, work, that's important, that matters. Family, that's important, that matters. Come on, somebody. Sleep, yeah, my man Rick right there works night shifts. He's, he came to church today on three hours of sleep. He's amen in the loudest right now. Exercise, not a lot of amens. <laughs> Romance, yeah, that matters. Vacation. That definitely matters. But he, and it's only six. Honestly, this list could be 10 or 15 items long. Am I right? I had to narrow it to six because I just wanted to make my point. Here's the problem with things that matter. If you chase one, it will have to come at the cost of the other. For example, work can't matter the most. But because if it does, guess who's going to pay for it? Your family. Unless, of course, you decide, well, I'm just going to stay up later and spend more time with them. But in that case, then, sleep comes out of court. And you wouldn't mind not sleeping less. The only thing is you made a resolution to exercise early in the morning so that you could be ripped for some romance. That's right. You're following me now. So you can get some romance. But, but, the, but, but, but who has time to, I can't, I can't afford a relationship right now. I can't afford my, 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 to get married right now. I can't afford to take my wife out on a date because I'm saving for that dream vacation. And I want to travel the world and go to Europe and go to Mexico. And they just opened up the doors to Cuba. I want to check that out. And you, 
This is the reality of life. If you chase one, the rest come and they pay the price for it, which is why the false question is what matters. But the only true question is what matters most. Because what matters is a plethora of things. But when, and if you don't have a what matters most, all the things will pay. But if you know what matters most, then now you're choosing, you're prioritizing. What is it that I'm going to give my life to? And here's the reality. If you don't like certain areas of your life, if you don't like certain, you know, uh, uh, areas of your life that you want to improve on, can I be real with you? It's, it's, it's really not anybody else's fault because you are and have always been a product of your priorities. Did you hear me? You have been, are, and always will be a product of your priorities. If you don't like where you are, it's probably a result of the things that you've prioritized in your life. And so I know we have a lot of guests, and, and I don't want you to get offended, so I'm going to say what I'm about to say with a smile because it's hard to get mad at somebody who's smiling. And so quit blaming people for where you are in life. Quit blaming people for when you are in life. And here, here's what I want you to write down. Make sure you put this down because you have always produced what you prioritized. And you have always punished what you procrastinated. That is good. Somebody clap because that was good. You will produce what you prioritize. And you will punish what you procrastinate. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. This, this sermon series is called the You Redo. So here's the good news. If you don't like where you are and you want to redo your life, it's, it might just be as easy as redoing your priorities. Did you hear me? Some people are looking for hope this morning. Some people want a new direction in life. Some people are hoping in 2017 is better than 2016. It could just be as simple as changing the priorities that you had in 2016 and reordering them in 2017 to get the life that you envision and that you want. You got to reset your priorities. And so knowing that, I want to get back into this story because I want to help you. I want to help you find out what matters most. And so in doing that, we're going to go through this story, this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman. Because it's really cool and I'm so thankful that God showed it to me. I had never seen it before. As we begin to go through this woman's story, what we're really going to see is a journey through human priorities. You're going to see it. I had never seen it before, but I was beginning to study it. I thought, wow, there are three things that she's going to tell Jesus are priorities. And Jesus is going to acknowledge them. He's going to tell her that they matter, but he's going to take her on a journey. And it's going to go like this. He's going to take her from, on a journey from the things that matter to the things that matter more to the thing that matters most. Watch. And we're going to go through it, okay? So let's read first John chapter 4, verse 6. She gets there. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was, was coming from the journey. Sat down by the well, and it was about noontime when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, let's keep that slide up. She came to draw water. Somebody say water. Now, in order to understand her first priority, you have to understand the historical context of what's happening. She's living in Samaria. In Samaria, there is no running water. There are two rivers in all of Palestine, okay, and, and none of them are near where she lives. Her only access to water is cisterns when it rains and the well when it doesn't. The fact that she's not going to the cisterns, by the way, a cistern, imagine a really big cup that catches rainwater. 
It wasn't, and the problem with the cisterns was there's a rainy season in Jerusalem and a, and a not rainy season. For six months of the year it rains and for six months it doesn't. We know that we're in the dry season because she's going to the well, not the cistern. Now, another thing you have to understand about water is that water was absolutely essential for her survival. Not only, there was no water fountains, okay? There was no bottled water. There was no uh, Evian or uh, Fiji or... Is Evian even a water? Did I just make that up? I don't know. It is a water. Okay, yeah, Evian or Fiji or Poland Springs. Is that real? I don't, I'm just, things are coming to my mind. I don't know. No bottled water. If she's thirsty, she's got to go to the well. And it's not even just about being thirsty. It's also the way that they kept clean and hygienic. There were a lot of bacteria, a lot of diseases going around. You had to clean yourself, and you cleaned yourself with the same water that you drank from. Not only that, if you were hungry, you probably think, well, I can't eat water. Maybe not. But your chickens and your cattle and your sheep, guess what they drank? Water. So water was a source of life for these people. And now we don't have that problem here today. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We live in a world that has, we live in, a, not a world, we live in a state, a city, because a lot of countries in the world don't. But we have access to running water. So we're going to have to modernize the text a little bit. So let me ask you. What is something that would be comparable to water? What is something we can't live without? What is something we depend on for our cows and our chicken, for those burgers and those steaks? And what is something that we depend on to put a roof over our head and something we depend on to be able to pay for that insurance that gets us to the doctor and keeps us good? On three, everybody say it. One, two, three. Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> You need help, whoever's that coffee. <laughs> nah. For the woman, it was water, but for us today, it's money. Here's what I want you to know, and here's what Jesus is telling the woman. The woman is coming to the well to drink because she's saying, Jesus, money matters. And I just want you to know, you probably never heard this in a church before, because we try and maybe stay away from the topic, but I will be the first pastor to admit it to you if you've never heard it before. Money matters. And anybody who tells you differently is not paying their bills. Somebody else is paying them for them. Money matters. It puts a roof over your head. It, it feeds your children. It keeps you alive. When you go to the supermarket, you can't be trading chickens back in, like back in the day. You give money, and they give you the things that you need to survive. And let me tell you, on behalf of all Christians and all pastors, in case you've never heard this before, money's not a bad thing. Money is okay. Yeah, go ahead. Money's not a bad thing. Money is okay. Money matters. Jesus had nothing against money. He didn't go up there when the, when the woman was pouring water and said, how dare you want water? What was the first thing he told the woman? Can I have some water? <laughs> Jesus' whole ministry was run around charity. Did you know that? A lot like the church, people gave so that he could do what he wanted to do. Jesus never once condemned money in the Bible, ever. Money matters, okay? But Jesus, being Jesus, tries to redirect her. He's trying to say money matters, but he's about to say a sentence right now that gets her deeper through the journey of human priority. He says money matters, but let me tell you what matters more. And look at his next statement, John chapter 4, verse 16. He goes, yeah, listen, money's important, but what good is money if you ain't got nobody to share it with? Look what he says in 4.16. He told her, okay, yeah, 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 you need water. But before we get to the topic of money, let me ask you, go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. 
Jesus was trying to tell her. He was saying, money matters, but you know what? People matter too. People matter. Don't people matter in your life? I mean, money is great, but if you can have all the money in the world and you're living alone and you got nobody to share it with, what is all that, what, what, is, what, is, what, is, it good, what is it good for, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if you don't have someone to share it with. And so people matter. Your friends matter. Your husband or wife matter. Your future husband or wife matter. Your kids matter. There are people here today who are trying to get pregnant because kids matter. People matter. And, and Jesus is trying to let her know that, hey, I don't want to talk about money. Let's talk about your relationship status, okay? You got how many ex-husbands and the guy you're living with now, what is that, friends with benefits? What? He, which, by the way, this is the first biblical reference to friends with benefits. This is, just so you know, it's in the Bible and it was not looked well upon, just so you know. Okay, she's saying, the, he's, the woman said, I got a guy now, but I'm not married to him. And Jesus is like, no. That doesn't, that's not good. No friends with benefits. Um, not, nothing really matters if you have something good, but you don't have anyone to share it with. And so he's taking her down the journey. First, money matters. And it's important again to know that he doesn't condemn it. He acknowledges it. But he takes her to another level of deepness. He says, money matters, but let me tell you about people. People matter too. And now the woman is actually going to take the next step and go deeper herself. She brings up a third category that I think matters and is important. John chapter 4, verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Pretty much this is what he's saying. Religion matters. Now, she's talking about this mountain and she's talking about religion and uh, because, let's put it in perspective. Money matters, but money doesn't matter if you don't have someone to share it with. People matter. But what does all that matter if there really is such a place as heaven and hell and eternity? What matters then? What matters then if heaven and hell is real? Not much. Not much. And so, and Jesus acknowledges this. He says it's okay. And I want you to understand, he says it's okay, and he doesn't condemn any of them. Jesus never condemns the fact that any of these three things matter. I want you to know that it matters. You know, theology, heaven, hell, Bible, whatever you believe, the, it matters. Having people in your life you love matters. Having money, being able to pay the bills matters. But we have, we encounter a problem when any, when we chase any of these things. Because one, if we chase one of them, we'll lose all of them. And two, as Jesus is about to point out, if you chase one of them, more problems will come on you than you had to begin with. Look what Jesus does right here. He says, it's okay if money matters, but money can't matter the most. Are you hearing me? Jesus is saying, it's okay that these three things matter, but they can't matter the most. John 4, 13, he talks about the water. Look what he says. Everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. You know what the problem is? When money matters the most, you'll never have enough money. You'll always want more. I, the one thing I cannot understand are billionaires who have jobs. You did it, dude. <laughs> it's over. Get on a spaceship, move to Mars, you know, buy an island. What are you doing? Because you'll never have enough. If money is the thing that matters most in your life, you'll never find joy because it is an appetite that cannot be quenched. People matter, but people can't matter the most. John chapter 4, verse 17 through 18. She replied, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. 
You know what the problem with relationships and people is? You can't always count on them. You know, the last time I preached this story, and I preached it like three months, two months ago, I said, can you believe a woman who left five guys and is looking for the sixth guy because she can't find the perfect guy? But as I was training, as I was walking through that, that passage of thought, I, I, said, I said to myself, I said, what if I got the story all wrong? What if she didn't leave the five guys? What if the five guys left her? Is it so hard to imagine? Isn't there people in this room who have not been through one bad breakup, but two bad breakups, three bad breakups? Aren't there people in this room who have been left on, cheated on, turned their back on, betrayed on? What if this woman is on number six because the five bounced, they left her, and now she's there thinking, my goodness, what am I going to do now? That, was, that person was my life. What now? There are people in this room who can tell you the consequence of making a person the center of your life, of making a person. There are parents in this room who have lost children who could tell you the consequence of making a child the center of your life. There's nothing wrong with people. People matter. But if people become the most important thing in your life, that's unstable ground because that could be pulled from you quickly. And then what, then what do you have to be left with? And then Jesus tackles the third one, religion matters. Now, now she's getting closer because the conversation has switched to eternity. And again, in the light of eternity, nothing else matters. When you think about the, the 60, 70 years you have on this life compared to eternity, everything else begins to fill into comparison. But, but the way she's talking about eternity and the way she's talking about religion is where Jesus contradicts her. Because in her mind, she thinks you get to heaven by being right. Because her argument is this. Her argument is the following. She says, on this mountain is where we should worship. She's arguing theology. She's arguing doctrine. She's trying to be right. And I want you to know you don't get to heaven by being right. The problem with religion, and I'm going to define religion in a second. Religion is defined as this, thinking that it is a set of rules or laws that get you into heaven. The problem with believing that it is a set of rules and laws and doctrines and theologies that get you into heaven is this. The more you try to achieve those, the worse of a person you become. Either you fail at it and you feel guilty and full of shame because you couldn't reach the standard or something worse happens. You actually do succeed and you stop doing all those bad things. Why is that worse? Because now you're arrogant and prideful. And nobody can be around you because you have a haughty spirit about you. I, I keep the law, and I don't smoke, and I don't drink, and, I, and I'm not this way, and I'm not that way, and I believe this, and I believe right, and all of y'all are, are wrong, and I'll pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. It doesn't win, and, but, but I love what Jesus does. He takes her on the journey. Money matters. People matters more. Even religion matters. And now he's taking her, but I'm going to use this last point to pivot to the thing that matters most. And look what he says. Here's the thing that matters most. John chapter 4, verse 21. Woman, believe me. That's like straight out of like a, I'm just saying. I, I grew up in New York. I think Jesus grew up in Brooklyn right there. He said, he said, woman, believe me, is what he said. He said that. That's not me. That's the Bible. He said, believe me. Listen, he's about to go to what matters most. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. <laughs> mind explosion. And I hope that your mind explodes too when you hear what I'm about to tell you. You got to get the context. 
The problem was she was all about the mountain. The mountain was the place that they worshiped God. The problem was she started worshiping the mountain and not the person who made the mountain. And so Jesus said, mountains? What you talking about mountains for? It's not about a mountain. You got to get your mind off of the money. The money matters, but get your mind off of the money and on the one who owns all the silver and gold. You, I know you care about people. People matter. But what Jesus says is people, people can leave you. If you really want a relationship, get your mind on the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. The one whose love cannot be separated by death or life, by devils or demons or angels or sin or imperfections. And I know you care about religion, but if being right matters, it's going to fail you. So get your mind on the one who lived the right life for you, who was perfect for you, who died on the cross so you can have eternal life. Get your mind off the mountain and on the one who made the mountain. That's what matters most. That's what matters most. And he goes on to say, because the hour is coming when worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. Spirit means intangible. You can't touch it. Stop worshiping things you're trying to touch because you can't do it. And truth, and I love the truth part, because to say that there are true worshipers creates a category of people we never knew existed, i.e. false worshipers. To say that there's such a thing as true worshipers is to say that there exists in the community a people of false worshipers. And you know what a false worshiper is? And I'm not trying to cast judgment because I want you to know that in my life I was there. But I'm going to give you a quick, simple definition of false worshipers. And I'm going to pray that God would, would enlighten, enlighten all of us. Because here's the thing. I don't doubt that God is on your list of things that matter. If he wasn't on your list of things that matter, you wouldn't even be here today. You're here because God is on your list of things that matter. But listen to me. This is false worship. This is false worship. When he's on the list, but not first on the list. If you're taking notes, write this down. Worship is not saying that God matters. Worship is saying that God matters most. The most the most. Of course God matters. You're here. You came. You woke up early. You got dressed. You got nice. You sang songs. You put in the I know God matters, but that's not worship. Worship is when God matters the most. And you want him to matter the most because when God matters the most, everything else no longer matters. That's the best part. The money that used to stress you out, guess what happens when God matters the most? It don't matter no more. Oh, yeah, look at the Bible. John chapter 4, verse 28. The conversation is over, 428. The conversation is over. Jesus tells her, I'm the Messiah. He tells her, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that matters most. And look at her response, 428. Then the woman left her water jar. The water that was so essential that was so important to her life, when she found the one that mattered most, the thing that mattered didn't matter no more. I'm trying to help you. See, you and your wife have been having conversations. You and your fiance have been having conversations about, about, about you not being able to pay the bills and not being able to hit the goals and, and the debt is starting to pile up and you're starting to freak out because you got all these things. But I want to encourage you, the next time you get around that dinner table and money begins to matter, one of y'all better remember this message. Look the other one in the eye and say, baby, the money matters. 
but but it's now what matters most come on there are people right here for the people part let's go to the people part John chapter 4 verse 28 look at the woman this is right after right after she finds the Messiah for everybody says people matters went away into the town and said to the people come and see a man who told me all that I ever did can this be the Christ for the woman people mattered that's why she was at the well at 12 o'clock noon when the sun was at its highest because she was afraid of the opinions of others how is it that the woman who is afraid of the opinion of others all of a sudden jumps into the center of town square and starts putting her business out there you know why because it didn't matter no more Woo! see when God takes priority over your life, his view of you also takes priority over your life. And so you begin to see yourself like he sees you and not how you see you. So it doesn't matter if you're single anymore because you got God. And it doesn't matter if people talk bad about you or your past anymore because God loves you. What matters most is you've got a relationship with him and so all the other relationships take a back seat. Anybody feeling lonely today? That matters, but it's not what matters most. Anybody going through some marital issues? And that matters. I'm gonna pray for you. Talk to me. We can do some counseling. We can. But you know what matters most? God is in your marriage. He's gonna make it come to pass. And the last one, the religion one. I love that one because you know what he says right there. He says to her this. Or the Samaritans say to her. John 4:40 through 42. And many more Samaritans believed because of this word. That's significant because the Samaritans were also looking for a Messiah, but they were expecting their Messiah to be Samaritan and not Jewish. And so for a Jewish Messiah to rise up and then accept him was saying, you know what, doesn't matter, religion matters. Doesn't matter, and I want you to know if you came to this church this morning as an outsider, because look what it says again, 42, can we go to verse 42? Look at that. And we know this man is indeed the savior of the world. Not the savior of Samaria, not the savior of Jerusalem, not the savior of Palestine, not the savior of the Middle East, not the savior of America, not the savior of Puerto Rico, not the savior of Canada, the savior of the world. And they saw that. Here's why this is important. You probably, some of you came to church this morning as an outsider. You're not really familiar with church. You're not really familiar with religious dealings. Maybe you grew up in church, but it's been years since you've been connected or it's been years since you found a church that you can really find call home and you feel like an outsider. You might be an outsider to Journey Church for today and today only. Because next week we're gonna hug your heart. You were never an outsider to Christ. You were never an outsider to Christ, ever. Because he was the savior of the world. So what matters most? worshiping God the most in summary and I want you to have that because all of the weight that's on your life through the weight of debt finances career job falls all of the weight for your family that friends put on you at your, your, your boss your coat falls all of the weight of trying to be perfect and trying to be right and trying to follow a set of rules falls when one that matters most matters the most and here's the last thing and then we'll matter of fact can we stand I want to pray we'll close Let's stand with me not only will your stress decrease not only will 
your worry and your doubt decrease. But here's the catch. Are you ready? If you chase one of these, you'll lose them all. But I'll give you one guess at what happens to these when you chase the one who matters most. Take a guess. Take a guess. You know what? Don't guess. Read the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I love the King James Version. It says, and all of these shall be added unto you. All of these should be added unto you. You see, your life plus money is minus everything. Your life plus people is minus everything. Your life plus religion is minus everything. But your life plus Jesus is plus everything. He gives it to you. He gives it to you. When you put him first, he'll gonna give you the money. When you put him first, he's gonna bring the people. When you put him first, his righteousness becomes your righteousness. When you put him first. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.